Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Get rid of your credit card debt, get a lower monthly payment, and skip your next two house payments at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to save thousands with savewithconrad.com. Find out how much money you can save right now at savewithconrad.com. Words are about to be spoken here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, presented to you by the Ad-Free Shows and Podcast Heat Networks. I'm John Alba. That is the broken one, woken one, the spoken one himself, coming to you via satellite from Georgia, late, late, late after Dynamite. He is Matt Hardy. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing well, especially considering I was up at 6.50 a.m. this morning. I'm doing well. I'm hanging in there. A hell of a day, John. An action-packed day. Yes, a flight to Atlanta for you, followed by a match with Aussie Open. I, I, I'm going to cut you off right there. Let, let me tell you one of these these weird circumstances that happen now with travel and you know airplanes and car rentals and whatnot. So we fly into Atlanta. We had a good flight, which was a little bit later. We got in, and I had a car reserved for four days now the car been reserved right so jeff and i were going to drive up to duluth just depending on traffic it's anywhere between 45 minutes to an hour so it was an hour and 10 minutes at the time we were going to be going because it was a busy part of the day and you have to go through downtown atlanta right so i go to the rental car company and i go hey um i'm here to pick up my reservation last name hardy first name matt said uh well we don't have any cars we just told that lady said uh have you prepaid i said uh Fortunately, I didn't. I usually try and do that option in case you want to change plans or whatever. He said, well, the earliest we're going to have any cars are four hours, maybe five hours. So can you wait that long? It's like, no. I mean, well, I made this reservation four days ago, and you're telling me I have to wait four or five hours? There's people coming in here that with time-sensitive issues. They're going to work and shit. Like, what is this? You know, and the one lady who was there was just like, well, I'm just going to have to cancel the car. But she couldn't get her money back. She had already prepaid for it. It was just insane, man. Insanity. So then I caught a shuttle back over to Jeff's hotel, who was in a different hotel than I was just because of circumstances this week. And then we ended up getting an Uber up there. It took like an hour and 15 minutes, you know, whatever. We ended up getting there a little later. But at the end of the day, it was all good. We went in. We we did our stuff. And main event in Dynamite. And it, and it makes the hardcore fans so mad. And it makes me so happy. <laughs> See, there's a big problem. I, I think I know why you didn't get a car. Because... You said last name Hardy, first name Matt. You should have said first name Sham, last name Payne, and they would have taken out a Rolls Royce for you. They'd have probably given me like a pink SUV. <laughs> we got to get first name Sham, last name Payne here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy sometime soon. Well, it, it was definitely a great opportunity for you to piss off the FIs with that main event. Uh, against Aussie Open. We got a lot to talk about on this podcast. Originally, we were going to center this just around one topic, but this week has just been such a crazy news week. I think we have so much to hit on that we got to really get into. So it's going to kind of be a smorgasbord of topics here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. I got to ask, because last week we taped Wednesday morning before the Texas Death Match, the Chainsaw Texas Chainsaw Massacre Death Match. It was the talk of the town, Matt Hardy. Jeff Jarrett defeated your brother, Jeff Hardy, in a battle of Jeff versus Jeff. It was a spectacle. What was your reaction to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre death match? Uh, there were a couple things I would have 
maybe have liked it indifferently, but overall, I, I I was okay with it. I I I was happy with what we watched back, with what we saw back when when I actually watched it back. Uh, you know, there was a company that was paying X amount of dollars for us to do support the video game, and they had a very specific vision, and our job was to go out there and fulfill that vision, and and that's what we did to the best of our ability. That's why you saw these weird weapons being used. That's why you saw the weird hammer that was very specific for. Uh, the finish, you know, there were many things that were very specific and we followed that very, very closely and we did everything they asked us to do and they were ecstatic at the end of the night. So that, that, that was a win. And, you know, I knew you were going to ask me about this, John, you know, uh, call me clairvoyant. I knew you were, and I, I just checked out the YouTube views from last week and the two top YouTube viewed videos are the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Deathmatch and uh, the Chris Jericho segment with Don Callis, the family thing. And those are the only two videos that have over well over four hundred thousand views. How about that? Which is how about that? Yeah, listen, because I know I know there are people who are diehard and smart about the business who hate stuff like that. Obviously, I don't hate stuff like that. I'm the guy who played Broken Matt Hardy. This is my lines. Uh, but 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 I, but I, I do have to say, there's still some people who are okay with the hokiness of wrestling, more sure. casual. And, and they still truly exist. So I think the items like that, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Deathmatch, what an insane name. And Jeff Jarrett, obviously, is the undefeated Texas Chainsaw Massacre Deathmatch champion. He got, a, he got a belt. He's the most prestigious champion in the history of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Deathmatches. It's unreal. And some of it didn't even defend it tonight. I told him he should have been defending it. He's the I king was, of the mountain, man. He's the king of the mountain, man. He's also the king of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah. Deathmatch. I love saying that over and over. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre Deathmatch. Listen, <laughs> I, want say this, I want to say this very clearly. I did not have an issue with you guys doing a goofy, weird, wacky, wild match. I, you know, I love the Broken Universe stuff. I'm totally cool with that. I, I don't have an issue with that. My issue was with the execution of it and not falling on you guys as performers they sent that thing out in front of a live crowd that was there to see some wrestling before this massive pay-per-view coming up this week two weeks out three weeks out from all out and they got something that a majority of it took place backstage that's yeah. really hard for an audience to connect with it is it and is. now had they gone in with this being a cinematic match and and because I think if there was ever a time to do a cinematic match, it was something like this. I right. think and and you could have leaned into the hokiness more with that. That's right. where I feel like this could have worked. But you know what? Attention is attention, right? And and you guys got plenty of attention. And Matt, it was for a good cause. Tony Khan ended up donating the money yeah. to the Maui relief, which stand up all around on that. I think that's great. You know, and, and Tony Khan was really into the idea of doing this match. He was really excited about the sponsorship and that they were going to be donating that portion of the money to the to the Maui charity, which is a great cause, obviously. But Tony was so into this match, he actually dressed up as Leatherface. Yeah, he, I heard that. He's the guy that played Leatherface, and he ran out with a chainsaw. I heard. I mean, how, how committed to the gig, right? TK, <laughs> TK was Leatherface guy. Sorry to spoil that, but Tony Khan was Leatherface running out swinging the chainsaw. Take that, Sean Rossap reporting. Dean Alexander was Leatherface. I, I, I could tell it was Tony. I could, I could tell it was Tony because when he walked through the Kern, he started the chainsaw and it wouldn't start. And you know how he got it to start? <laughs> How's that? He screamed at it, "Let's fucking go!" Oh, and, yeah, yeah. Started, and then started right after that. So. People complained. The people thought he looked a little taller, but he had big lifts in his boots. That's so. true. Very true. He had those. Uh, he had those Glenn Jacobs lifts. His alter, Jeff's alter ego is Will Lewis. TK's alter ego is uh, is Leatherface. You gotta love it. All right, so you know what? We'll we'll turn the page. And you you said it was cinema, and I said it was the Citizen Kane of prolific professional wrestling matches. So yeah. I'm, I'm not I'm not labeling it uh, as an equal to the Batman trilogy, John. I'm just saying. <laughs> was, I'm just saying. You know, it was uh it, it was there for uh. Desired effect, and I yes. feel like we achieved the desired effect. I will say, Jeff's face paint looked awesome for that. It was incredible. It was so good. He looked great in that. Um, 
that leads us to dynamite this week you guys main event in great spot for the hardys in the main event you've had a few featured matches here on dynamite in back-to-back-to-back weeks and you get aussie open you guys don't get the win but what was your impressions of working with aussie open what did you think of them uh, I enjoyed I enjoyed working with them. I, I thought we had really good chemistry for never touching before, right? As a tag team, so uh, we the show was a little heavy. We ended up losing a little bit of time at the end of the match. We had a little more stuff we would have liked to have done, but uh, I'm excited to work with those guys again in the future. You know, and I, I think we could, I think we could really produce some extremely high quality tag team matches. So I like those guys. Both have good attitudes. I think the the sky's the limit for both those guys. Um, they're extremely talented. Uh, it's so funny. Uh, the, uh, the, the, it's, it's funny. We were talking about when these guys were born. We were talking about how long they've been working, right? Yeah. Do do you know? Do you know? Kyle's, Kyle's 21, right? Kyle, he's a little older. He's but, oh, okay. So we were sitting there and they were talking about how long they've been in the business, right? Kyle's been in the business for 10 years. And I think uh, Davis has been in the business for 15 years, 16 years. That's and he 24. was okay. Kyle's 24. Yeah, yeah. He he was he was born. Uh, Davis first and foremost he said he he said what year did you guys start? We said 1992. He said oh my god, I was born in 1990. And then uh, Kyle was born in 1998. Yeah. I said oh shit, we we're, we're already in our contract like fucking. Yeah. Years old, then. Yeah. Yeah. 24. We're making some coin. That is just so crazy, and and he, I am over twice as old as he is. Is that a mad fact? <laughs> that is, that is a mad fact. I'm gonna actually throw that one in. I have another mad fact, but I'm gonna put that one too. I like it. I like it very much. Um, listen, man, I thought you guys worked really well together. I thought the ending for Dynamite was some hot shit. It really, to Tony Khan's credit, you know, one of the common criticisms of AEW is are they going to invest in long-term storytelling to Tony Khan and the creative crew's credit this Adam Cole MJF story I think Matt has been one of the best stories AEW's ever told and going into this pay-per-view I genuinely have no idea how it's going to unfold what are your thoughts on the story between the two of them I agree I agree. And I, and I love the fact that they're all in on the entertainment aspect of it. I mean, sometimes they do these vignettes that are a little bit goofy, but they're fun. And then they can go to the ring and they have kick-ass matches. You know, you go back and you think about, they went to a 30-minute draw, if I'm not mistaken, right, is what they've done earlier on. So they've had some really incredible wrestling. They've had some incredible entertainment. And I think that's what AEW needs more than anything else. I think people get a little too caught up on five-star matches. And, and I think AEW can definitely – benefit from quality entertainment too because at the end of the day i mean pro wrestling is entertainment and we have to remember that you know and there's a lot of fans out there that want to see it but you can't be too driven on just every match has to be a five-star match because that's not physically possible and and i think in some ways it is detrimental to the show because i think you need to like have a great match and then you can have a segment that kind of brings the crowd down a little bit and take them back up with another great match you know i'm, I'm all about that i'm all about you know having the ups and downs being a cosine curve throughout you know as eddie guerrero told me one time when we were working in the ring he said you know sometimes matt you just gotta bore them he said i mean bore them's not really the right word to use but you gotta kind of bring the crowd down so that they can like catch their breath and like explode again for the next crescendo if not then they never get a chance to like catch their breath and rest and and it kind of levels out their reaction and I, the more i thought about that it's like holy shit that's like so accurate and, and really really right well and it prevents fatigue too when you have a great match and then the next week you're doing a segment and then you have another great match and then you're doing a vignette those yeah. agreed those storytelling devices pace out a story and mm-hmm. that they allow you then to hit different beats and in this particular story with adam cole and mjf Listen, they're taking a risk doing the pre-show match against Aussie Open on the zero hour. It's it's a risk. It uh, is a but, risk. But it could provide a fantastic beat in this story that leads into a very successful main event if all goes well. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like you said, I, I really don't know how it's all going to play out. And I'm curious. So that's that's a positive. If you're curious of how something is going to play out because you're unsure, 
I think that's a big positive for wrestling. You might even say you should let it play out, which you can get that T-shirt over at boxagimmicks.com and on over to the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy store and pick up your Let It Play Out T-shirt right now. Someone hit me with that. I got my Discord for wrestling, according to Al. I was talking about this Gunta and Chad Gable story on Raw, and they said, John, let it play out. (laughs) You're right. I'm going to let it play out. That's exactly what I'm going to do here. Uh, But all in, man, this is... The biggest show in AEW history. It is this week. As we record this, it will be tomorrow on Saturday. I know it doesn't look like at this time you're going to be there, but Matt Hardy, what is the sentiment like in the AEW locker room right now ahead of a show that very well could prove to be transformative for the company one way or another? I I mean, I, I think it is huge for morale. And I think it is just such a victory for AEW, a company that hasn't been around five years in full. Uh, they have drawn a house, an international house in UK, and they are like almost filling up Wembley. It's amazing to be drawing over 80,000 fans. I mean, by the time it's all said and done, there'll probably be 85,000 people in there is what I would guess. There's going to be some kind of walk up. But for AEW to be such a young company, uh, in its infancy, in many, many ways, to be drawing that kind of house says massive things about the power of the AW brand already. And I'm proud to be a part of the team that has been part of the building effort of, of getting to this point of all in. Any match aside from the main event you're looking forward to in particular? Uh, I mean, there, uh, obviously, I'm, I'm very interested in the Young Bucks FTR match. I mean, if it goes down as scheduled, which I assume it is as of right now, uh, a big tag team guy right now. Tag team wrestling is what we're doing. And as we have stated several times over, you know, myself and Jeff, our goal is to win the AEW World Tag Team titles, add that to our list to continue to cement our legacy. So, yes, I'll definitely be watching that. Who you got, John? You got FTR? Do you have the Young Bucks? Curious. Curious of your prediction. Put you on the spot here. Well, I, I mean, I hate to look at it through this lens, but given the events of last week, it it certainly does potentially throw a wrench into how you proceed forward. Right. So my gut at this moment in time says the young bucks, Okay, but who's to say who's I I, here, I'll give you a real prediction. This is not me copping out. I think they're going to go out there and should this match go down as planned, I think they're going to put on one of the greatest tag team matches in the history of pro wrestling. Uh, It's 80,000 people. Those two teams, the history between them, mm-hmm. I feel like both of those teams are built for a match like that. Yeah, I wouldn't argue that at all. I'm sure they're going to have an outstanding match. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that. Uh, excited for MJF and Adam Cole, obviously. That's going to be a can I ask you, Sure. The Young Bucks have performed in front of some of the biggest crowds ever. They've been the Tokyo Dome. Right. They've been all in the original all in but they've never performed in front of 75 80,000 people before right you're someone who has have you had those conversations with them about getting that opportunity and if not even what what a way for that to happen for them right like this is their creation right they've manifested this i think that's amazing it it is absolutely amazing no doubt um I haven't specifically had conversations with them. I did today actually have conversations with uh, Aussie Open. They were just talking about how they're going to be like blown away when you go out, you know, with over 80,000 people there, how it's going to be amazing. I was like, well, I mean, we've wrestled in some of those big crowds before, obviously, you know, just it's a bit, once you're a pro and you've done this for so long, you kind of go out. It's like, and I told them just what my boy said. I said, take it all in as much as you can. You don't know how many of these moments you're going to have in your career. But like as you go down and once you get in the ring, it's like business as usual. And it, you, you don't really realize if there's, you know, 5,000 people there, 10,000 people, you know, or 80,000 people because you just get in there and, you know, you, you put it on cruise control and, you know, you automatically go through because you're a professional. I said, and you'll go out there and it'll, it'll feel the same, but you'll look back at it and you'll go, holy shit, we did this in front of 80,000 raving mad fans who are just like so enthusiastic and excited to see us and it's going to be a, a highlight of your career so just go out there and try and take it all in as you go, as you go down the ramp uh as you make your way to the ring like try and try and take it all in 
It's amazing, man. Wrestling is just so freaking hot right now. You've got this show. We learned this past week that WrestleMania set an all-time gate record in the first right. day that tickets went on sale for the two nights, which is mind-blowing for Philadelphia. 90,000 tickets, is that right? 90,000 tickets. Hugely huge impressive. Crazy. Just absolutely crazy. Wrestling is in a very good space right now, Matt Hardy. And we have two major topics to tackle on this week's podcast. So before we do that, you know what I got to ask for. Please hit us with that Matt Fact. Matt Fact. Matt is twice as old as Kyle Fletcher. <sighs> Matt Fact. Matt keeps his thermostat at a cool 68 degrees. Your house thermostat or your hotel thermostat? My house thermostat. Mama's good with that? Oh, she she's encourages it. Yeah, she's way cool I, with it. Okay. Yeah, she like she likes it cool and then she wants like three or four blankets on top of her. Okay. Top of her. She's a cuddler, you know. I don't know, but I assume that she is based on your declaration. <laughs> okay. Well, she's a cuddler. There you go. F FYI. That might be a mad fact in and of itself as well. Yeah. As long as you're keeping track of your gothic baby, who every time I'm on the phone with you, it seems like she's running into traffic. So, she's a maniac. <laughs> she's a menace. Uh, it, but it's it's funny. I had an old Matt fact where I used to like keep the room a little warmer. Yeah. And I'll, I'll be able to put those together and compare them. You've adjusted. I've adjusted. You change. Okay. People do change. All right, guys. We are just under two weeks away from AEW All Out in Chicago at the United Center. And even though it's two weeks away, you still may be on the fence about whether or not you're going to go to this thing. Thankfully, you don't got to stress about it because with the Game Time app, you can wait till the very last second and you're going to get hooked up with grade A tickets. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code HARDY for $20 off your first purchase. And I'm not just talking about all out. You see, Game Time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for all sporting events, music, comedy, theater shows, everything near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun that you're going to have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You've heard me talk about this before. I used Game Time to snag Springsteen tickets earlier this year. 45 minutes before the show, and they were some of the best seats that I've ever gotten. One of the reasons that I knew they were going to be great seats was because they have pictures from wherever you're going to sit in the venue, and you can see firsthand what your view is going to be like. The game time guarantee means you're always going to get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game time is going to credit you 110% of the difference. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code HARDY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code HARDY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. First order of business, Matt. We lost Terry Funk today as we record this. Mm -hmm. Your reaction to that? Very sad. Terry, um, I got to interact with him several times over the years. And uh, he was a huge favorite of mine as I grew up watching him. I remember whenever he did the thing, one of the first things that I love that Terry Funk did is when he did the deal where he was the judge in the match with Flair. And then he... It looks so realistic and so crazy when he grabbed Flair and he gave him the power driver on the table and he broke his neck or whatever. And he just looked like an absolute madman. You know, he just he would go out and he would create bedlam. I remember he did stuff with Muda. 
they had the the cage that they were in that was like electric at the top, which it was called the Thunderdome, the Terror Dome, the Thunderdome, yep, the Thunderdome, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just he he was just he he seemed like he was just constantly creating bedlam and chaos, and I love that so so much about him, just so unpredictable. But then once you meet him, he's like the the biggest sweetheart you'd ever meet, and a guy who was genuinely kind to everyone, always looked at and labeled as one of the greatest workers, most innovative workers and personalities and characters and personas in the industry, in the business, done so many great things in so many different continents and whatnot. But also he was one of the famous people that no one had a bad word to say about him. Everybody who knew him loved him, which was which was wild and, and pretty unprecedented for people in that day and age. Cause there was a lot of people that would bicker or have an issue or heat with someone else, but everybody loved Terry Funk. And I remember meeting him the first few times and I couldn't believe how genuine and nice and kind he was. And this is a story I should dig up this video and find it and send it to you, uh, John. So Tony Hunter, the guy who books myself and Jeff, for a lot of our appearances and helps us out. He's kind of the guy that represents this and kind of sets us up with cons and whatnot. So he did an appearance with uh, Terry Funk. This was back in 20, late 2016, early 2017. And he said that Terry said, Oh, he said, you know, Matt and Jeff real well. And he said, yeah, I used to ref for them in the mid nineties and I know them real good. And I've helped them out with some signings the last few years, whatnot. You know, we're, we're, we're close. We've been friends for a while. And he said, well, I want you to record a video to, to send to Matt Hardy, okay? And I said, oh, okay, cool. And then Tony recorded a video. He sent it to him. And he said, hey, Funker wanted me to send this to you. And it was Terry Funk going, hey, Matt Hardy, I hope you're doing well. Uh, I hadn't seen you in a little bit, but hope you're doing good. Miss seeing you, bud. He said, I just want to tell you, he said, I'm really proud of you for doing Broken Matt Hardy. He said, you went out. It's something different. You took chances. He said, and it's crazy. He said, I, I like doing crazy stuff like that, kind of out of the box. He said, but I just want you to know that I think it's real cool, and I'm proud of you for doing it. Holy shit. So great. What a great compliment. And for him just to say, hey, record this and send it to Matt Hardy because I want him to see it. Just for him, him complimenting me for, like, thinking outside the box and trying something radically different was very, very cool. So ever since that point, I've just had a huge amount of respect for Terry Funk. What an endorsement that is. That is right. amazing. Terry Funk, I said this when we learned of his passing. I think there's a fair argument to be made, Matt, that Terry Funk may be the most influential wrestler of the last 50 years. What do you think about that? I mean, there, there, there is a solid argument to that, especially with his you know, last ride at ECW when he did his deal and the way he really helped that brand get to pay-per-view, get to TV. He did so much for those guys. And you what's know. wild about that is I think so many people who grew up in the 90s, like myself, early 2000s, right. you look at Terry Funk, you're like, that guy was an extreme guy, right? Like, he was a deathmatch guy, and, and he was. Yeah. But he was, for all intents and purposes, one of the most fundamentally sound professional wrestlers and most versatile professional wrestlers of all time. Absolutely. Absolutely. He could wrestle his ass off. You know, but also too, he he was, you know, he he just showed his showed how talented he was, showed how many layers he had. He could go do a death match. He could play an insane maniac, or it could be a serious character, and he could do like a serious promo. You know, he he was really talented. He had a he had a lot of tools in his toolbox, no doubt about it. Did you connect with him for the first time, really, around when he was doing the Chainsaw Charlie stuff in WWF? That's the first time I remember officially meeting him. And I remember we came back from a match we had. Um, it's we were doing a lot of dark matches around this time, right? So we'd had a match, and he was very complimentary about it. So I'd really like to see you guys get more opportunities up here. That was that was really good. I really enjoyed that. You know, that's just he was just such a such a genuine, authentic guy, man. And 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 I got to do you know some appearances with him on indie shows. Uh, saw him at some extreme rising stuff. I mean, just. Um, Anytime I saw him, he was always, he's just always so friendly, always so pleasant, just always just just wonderful. And I remember doing that deal where him and Rick were talking about something, and Rick said, "Damn, we should take a picture." We don't ever do that. I said, "Actually, I want to take a picture with you guys." And I remember grabbing that picture, and they said, "Oh, make sure to send me that," you know. And I sent it to both those guys as well. So it was uh, it was really cool, man. I'm, I'm so happy I 
I, I nabbed that. And I had that great picture with him and Rick smiling and they were pointing at me. And you, of course, famously came through the Funkin' Dojo with Dory. I did, yes. And did Terry ever take part in any of the training for that? He didn't. Dory, Dory was, uh, it was just Dory that was doing the training. Terry was never a part of any of that. But it was, we, we would hear stories about Terry, you know, as we were in the midst of training and whatnot with Dory. So it, it was great. You know, that was my first real, that was my first real chance to learn about Terry and kind of what made him tick as a person and as a performer. And it really gave me a little insight into his, to his mind and psychology and wrestling, because that's something that Dory would talk about. He said, well, when me and Terry were doing this, this was our mindset, blah, blah, blah. And Terry would want to be this role and I would be this guy. And, and it really helped myself and Jeff think about different roles and, and being a tag team and, and different things guys could do to really differentiate themselves. I mean, that dude had his last match in 2017. So if he passed at 79, that means at 73 years old, he had his last match. It's quite a bar for you to have to try to reach there, pal. Oh, boy. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you could make an argument that that guy put his body through just as much as you guys have over oh, the years. He, he, he really has. And, and dude, like uh, the, the documentary where he does this stuff with Dennis Stamp is some of the most fun, entertaining stuff ever. Even that stuff, this is something that is funny, and you'll probably get a kick out of this. There's that scene uh, in, in the in the dock where Terry gets out of bed. You know, he's like, oh, and his back, and he's all tight, and like walking, blah, 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 fuck, back, tight, moving. It's like, there's been mornings where I felt like that. I was like, oh, my God, I've turned into Terry Funk. <laughs> I'm Terry Funk pre-ECW right now. You know, I still take my ass out there and fucking do a moonsault off the ladder watch out i always think of terry this is such a weird niche memory i have of him but maybe it's because i it was so impressionable for me as a kid watching it live in the mankind undertaker hell in a cell when mick is just i mean he's knocked out he's knocked out right. and they're trying to lift the cage up and yes yeah all the guys rush in and they're trying to buy some time to figure out so on the fly terry looks at Taker and just says choke slam me, and, <laughs> and, and Taker just goozles him and just yeets him all the way, and he gets all the way up. Spot. He's wearing like sneakers and sweatpants and like an Adidas shirt and everything. I'm like, right, I, I remember that. Yeah, what a freaking pro this guy is, knowing in that moment to try to buy some time. I'm just amazing, amazing stuff. You can make an argument off his Japan career alone; he's a Hall of Famer. Sure. And then you throw everything that he's done in the United States. Yeah. It's what a loss. What a loss. I mean, I always remember the Dusty Sucks Egg shirt that he wore. Like one of the most impressionable talent ever. And I think it's amazing, Matt, to see, as you kind of said, so many people have come out and offered tributes to him because I, I haven't seen one negative thing said about him. No, and I don't. I don't think you will. I mean, he, he was just someone that was universally loved all across the industry, and and I think that says a lot about someone's character. It does. Who do you think he improved the most? Like, what one person was most on the receiving end of working with Terry Funk? I, I I'm probably a little biased and partial in this, but I I loved him and Muda together, and I know even. When he was doing doing stuff with Muda, you know, they were like learn, he was learning English on the fly and different yeah. terms, whatever else. Uh, but I just I love they were just such an awesome odd couple. I love the things they did together. And that, that's really when my fandom of NWA was really starting to take off too during that time period. Jeff obviously was in love with Muda. You know, uh, Will the Wisp was inspired by the great Muda and then Jushin Thunder Liger, obviously. Yeah, you, you look at. Uh, you look at ECW, he did so much for Tommy Dreamer there, you know, uh, amazing things. I mean, he, he elevated everybody around him. All of those, you know, people that were like the island of misfit toys that really formed ECW, uh, it, he helped them all out. I think Mick Foley is one of the biggest recipients. Yep. yep. Mick, Mick, Mick is definitely in there. Mick got huge, huge help from Terry Fong. I mean, that's his hero. Yeah. That's his hero. And I think it's amazing that terry's last major wwe match it might have been his last wwe match period 
was the ECW one night stand match with Tommy Dreamer, Edge, and Mick Foley. And right. freaking this guy is this is 2006, so we're talking what 17 years ago. So math, he's 62 years old working this hardcore match, and he comes, he's taken out with barbed wire to the eye, and he comes back with blood all over his face and a bandage covering one of his eyes. And then he takes another bump into the barbed wire. What a maniac. This Was he cut from a different cloth? I mean, I, I think so. I mean, he, 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 he was certainly your typical, your typical pro wrestler that was just willing to work through anything, uh, had a high pain tolerance, and also very creative, very charismatic. And he wasn't afraid for people to look at him and think he was an asshole. He wasn't afraid for people to look at him and think he's a lunatic. He, he he really disregarded all that, and I think that's what made him such a standout performer. And on top of that, too, he still was, like, super sneaky athletic, you know? Like, yep. people people think, like you say, that he was just, like, a deathmatch guy, you know, because of some of the stuff he did, some of the stuff he was known for. But he was extremely athletic, like the way he would do those moonsaults, and just as far as wrestling as an athlete, he was really incredible as a, as a pro wrestler. There's a clip going around. X or Twitter or whatever of him and Flair just I mean going off teeing off on each other just right. punch slap chop punch slap chop for like 45 seconds it is art if you are into that style of pro yeah. wrestling I'm sure Tony Khan watched it with his eyes wide open because it is right in that wheelhouse. You actually only had one match with Terry Funk in your career, but you can say that you had a match with Terry Funk. Do you remember what that match was? Uh, I, I don't off the top of my head. It was a battle royal that you were in when they were introducing the ECW brand. They did ECW versus Raw versus SmackDown battle royal on this TV special with the three brands. And it was Big Show. That was where Big Show revealed that he was a member of ECW. I do remember that. I remember that match. It was a very awkward match. Yep. I, I think you did pretty well in that match, actually. What's and that? I think you did pretty well in that match. I think you lasted pretty long in it. And uh, Terry Funk was in that match. And that is the only time you ever got to work with Terry Funk. Well, look at that. But you can say that you got to have a match with Terry Funk in some capacity. So. Yeah, pretty cool there in some capacity. Very, very cool, very cool. I'm glad. I mean, I I didn't even know that. So thank you for smarting me up to that. Matter of fact, I'd forgotten that. Maybe you'll have to go find that clip, throw that on the internet. Yeah, remind everyone that you did in fact work with Terry Funk. Anything else you want to add on Terry before we get to our other big news item for the week, Matt? Um, just 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 one of those things that uh, you know, life is life. None of us are immortal. Maybe nice if we were. Everyone is mortal. Everyone is going to have a day to die. Uh, one thing I can say about Terry is he lived a very complete life, and I'm happy that he did that. Uh, my thoughts go out to his family, his friends, even his fans, people that cared about him so much, which he had a ton of fans. Um, and, you know, there's just so many people from the wrestling industry that's going to miss him, and I'm just happy that he got to live the full and complete life that he did. You know, and that's, I feel like as you get older, that's you need to do everything that you want to do so that you feel like you live a full and complete life because you never, ever know. Fortunately, he lived very long and he accomplished so much in his life. He inspired so many people. He motivated so many people. And it's a huge loss from the wrestling industry. And I'm just I'm happy that we had Terry Funk as long as we did. And I'm happy I got to interact with him as much as I did. I would have loved to, to interact with him more, but I'm happy I got to interact with him as much as I was able to. The Funks versus the Hardys. Would have been one hell of a match, I'll tell you that. Could have been, could have been five stars, and maybe even in Tokyo, it might have been more. Matt Hardy. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Hypothetically speaking, hell, shit, if uh, if if I would have had the the right platform, you know, five six years ago, I'd have tried and got it done in a cinematic match. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he would have been totally down for a cinematic match. I I would have loved to have done something at the Hardy Compound. All of a sudden. Uh, there's Broken Matt and Brother Nero, and we're trying to be the greatest tag team in all of space and time. And then, you know, uh, we end up with Terry Funk and Dory Funk showing up, and we just uh, do it. I think Chainsaw Charlie's a little more adept for the Broken Universe. Oh, there you have it. I wish, Char- I wish Chainsaw Charlie would have came out and damn 
chased off Leatherface, Tony Khan, last week. Would have been great. Would have been great. Come out in the pantyhose all around his face and everything. Coming out of a... Have you ever heard that story, the debut of Chainsaw Charlie? What Vince and Bruce Pritchard argued about? Oh, no. So I I don't know. Maybe I have. Please. This is a good one. This is a good one from the Something to Wrestle. And And I may be slightly misquoting it but i'm paraphrasing <clears throat> they were gonna debut terry funk and they came up and by they i mean you know who came up with this chainsaw charlie character yes by that yes because why would we ever debut terry funk as terry funk we have to do something and they were coming up with ways to debut him and they said well how do we do it and they said well Anything that comes out of a box gets over. So Chainsaw Charlie, if you recall, there was a giant plywood box set up on the top of the raw stage. And Chainsaw Charlie came out of the box by sawing his way through it. And anything that comes out of a box is over. And that's how Chainsaw Charlie came to be in the world. I'm the man. (laughs) There you go. There you go. That's Tommy Dreamer's gimmick. We can't yeah. go too far with that. Let's take a quick pause here, everyone, because I am parched and I need to take a sip of my AG1, my go-to drink every single morning to make sure that I am feeling at my absolute best and bringing you the best audible chocolate that you can get every single week here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Because what would I be without my AG1s? AG1 is a foundational nutritional supplement that delivers comprehensive nutrients for whole body health. It replaces your multivitamin, your probiotic, and more in one simple drinkable habit. How do you think Matt Hardy is going out there every single week and taking big bump after big bump as he's approaching 49 years old. It's because he's drinking AG1 every single morning. Just one daily serving is going to give you the comprehensive foundational nutrition you need, supporting energy, focus, strength, clarity, with 75 high-quality vitamins, probiotics, and whole food-sourced ingredients. I can't think of another daily routine that pays off as well as AG1 does, which is why I trust this product every single day. So if you're looking for a simpler, effective investment for your health, try AG1 and get five Cinco, five Cinco, five free AG1 travel packs and a free one-year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash hardy. That's drinkag1.com forward slash hardy. Check it out. And we thank them for sponsoring the Extreme Life. Of Matt Hardy. Hey guys, Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Need to call a timeout real quick here. I wanted to tell your listeners what I've been telling my world listeners for a while now. It's about all the incredible things happening over on adfreeshows.com. Conrad sits down with a pioneer of wrestling television production, director Dan Bynum, who discusses his journey through WCW, ROH, MLW, and where it all began for him, world class. What really was the uh, the thing that, that catapulted it was, one, working with Ric Flair. He came to the territory and wrestled with the Von Erich boys and gave us so much uh, gravitas. And two, the greatest feud in the history of wrestling, the Freebird Von Erich feud. Uh, so we were there at the hottest time with the hottest show, and we took over the world. The Yeti, Ron Reese, sits down with Ad-Free Shows members to talk about his infamous night at Halloween Havoc and how it was received by the boys in the back. Oh, no, I remember, like, Arn Anderson told me that that was the drizzling shits, and Dusty Rose was like, that was the worst thing I've ever seen. I'm just like, hey, thanks. (laughs) Hey, that's just a small taste of what Ad-Free Shows has waiting for you, including a brand-new perk, getting to join in on the live recordings of the shows, with four levels to choose from, see for yourself why ad-free shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now at adfreeshows.com. That's right. Sign up today at adfreeshows.com. All right. Let's talk about the thing that I promised everyone we would discuss here. We were going to do more in-depth on this guy this week, but we will save that for a later date because I think we can talk just enough here 
about what is going on with Adam Copeland. Edge mm -hmm. reportedly, as according to his word, had his final match on his current WWE contract with Sheamus in Toronto. They had one hell of a match. Go out of your way to watch it if you haven't yet. Very emotional. Beth Phoenix is there with the kids. And if this were to be Edge's last match, it would be a great way to go out. But a lot of rumor and innuendo out there, Matt Hardy, that maybe he could be bound for AW. Or maybe he's going to be re-signing for more matches to come in WWE. So 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 what is the the rumor now? Is the rumor that he hasn't resigned? I saw something somewhere that said he laid out what he would like to have to be okay. retained in WWE. Do you, so I, you will, I will read the report okay. to you. Okay. Here we Who go. This, by the way. So this comes from Wade Keller and PW Torch. Okay. Quote. Edge wrestled his last match on his current WWE contract Friday. His contract expires, according to Edge, on the Fan Morning Show at the end of September. It's not known if he has any non-compete period afterwards, but there's a lot of buzz that he is AEW bound. PW Torch has learned that Copeland presented to WWE what it would take to retain his services, but WWE declined to meet his request. Mm. This has sparked a belief within WWE that he is probably headed to AEW and knew at the time what AEW could offer him based perhaps on conversations with other wrestlers of his star power about AEW pay. Tony Khan is a big fan of Edge and certainly would value adding him to the roster either as a wrestler or in some other role, end quote. Now, I'd like to remind you, Matt, that it was rumored that when AEW was launching off the ground in 2019 before Edge had been cleared by WWE that Tony Khan had conversations with Edge and made him an offer, and that was a what allowed edge to have a little momentum and getting Vince to clear him. Yeah. Yep. So you took two X and you Z it out a picture of Z you edge Christian and Jeff Z back in 2018. What's going on here, man? Where, where are things standing in your head here? Uh, I, I don't know. It's very interesting. You know, it, it was, it was his week. Uh, they were very real and true and genuine about it being his last match, uh, you know, and his deal is coming to an end. And if he isn't going in to, if he isn't going to resign or re up with WWE, I, I, I think he has more left in him and I could see him coming to AW, especially on a lighter schedule, um, maybe getting a little more say and, and kind of what you do. Uh, I, I could see that happening. I, I think there's a possibility he could end up here. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I still think there's a possibility he could return to WWE. I, I, I wouldn't rule that out either. But it's so crazy because I have said many times before, people said if you were going to have your, you know, as my son Wolfie would say, your last, 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 final, 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 final match, who would the opponents be against? Uh, who would your opponents be? Who would it be against? And uh, Edge and Christian is almost the first answer that kind of comes off the top of my head is what rolls off my tongue mm -hmm. because we are literally the two teams that made one another. And I feel like it would be great to, to go out, you know, with that as like a last match. There's definitely some left in the tank in him. If he feels he physically can do it. He did say in a promo afterwards to the live crowd that he didn't think he had a year left in him. Oh shit. That's a work. I've been doing that since 2016, John. <laughs> You were you retired at one point, if I'm not mistaken. You pulled a Terry Funk at one point. Uh, yeah, once. I just had to change my working style. I heard, had to learn how to get that. Learn. I had to learn how to work broken, shoot broken. So. It's true. So you aren't buying that Edge doesn't have a year left in him. I I think he could have more than that. I, I think the the schedule. I think the amount of matches. You know, if you could minimize the wear and tear on his body, especially be treated be in a position where you feel like you're treated the way you should be you know not saying he wasn't like that in WWE, but i just i think those are things that are all really positive and, and makes aw an attractive place to be well and you, you got to give him credit where it's due when he came back he did not take the shortcuts at all like every single one of his matches we're anywhere from 15 to 40 minutes. This guy didn't come in and work six-minute matches off a nine-year layoff. He went out there and tried to put on a barn burner every single time he wrestled. Yeah. 
can can you take us into his psyche and the type of performer that he is, the type of competitor that he is to want to do something like that? Yeah, I mean his his work ethic, you know, it speaks volumes about him as a person, as a performer, I think. And and I, I do know Whenever he would go out there and he would perform, obviously I worked with him many, many times. I mean, we would really think about things in detail and we would want to go out and try and present a match that it was going to steal the show, you know? And, and I know he thought like that as well. There was a competitiveness between him and Christian, you know, because I'm much more like the edge and Christian. They, they were both kind of like brains of the operation you know i'm kind of like the brains and the architect of our matches jeff's just the rock star he's like okay yeah sure whatever you think uh but but edge is a very special performer and when he came back i mean it's amazing that he was cleared and he was able to be cleared and he had healed over those is it nine years is that right nine years nine years but the one thing i do have to say if you're training and resting and you've been on for nine years i'm sure the rest of his body felt like i'm sure it, it felt amazing I mean, he felt remarkable, I'm sure, because you've had all that time to heal and you haven't been on the road. You haven't done the wear and tear of travel, you know. And I think that's one of the things that has been tough for Jeff and I, too. Like, we've never really took, like, an extended amount of time off. We've had time here and there where we had to get ourselves right or whatever it may be. But, you know, like, we have wrestled pretty much full time, you know, since 97, I would say, you know. So it's that's a long time. That's uh, three, 26 years. I mean, it's almost like a full-time schedule 26 years. And if you go back to the 97, 98, you know, I was doing 10 days on with WWE and four days off, which is a fucking lot of wear and tear on your body, you know? So, yeah, I, I, I think that is, is something that was beneficial for him, that his body got to heal and he got to, to kind of rest and, and play dad and, and, and be, be there for his girls and enjoy that family life. That's really, really important. And it's a tricky juggling act whenever you're, trying to wrestle and have a family. And I know sometimes with, you know, sometimes with WWE, it's, it's a little trickier because they have just so many more dates and they want people to do more dates and AEW typically would. Now to play devil's advocate, it's not like he was working a full-time schedule since he returned. He was not working a full-time yeah. schedule. He, sure. he pretty much had his pick of a schedule and he worked, you know, he'd, he'd wrestle a few times a quarter. And right. honestly, a guy who's an attraction like edge I don't think he needs to be wrestling. No, he doesn't. It's better. I mean, the same thing goes for myself and Jeff. We should be more attractions at this point than anything else. You know, like even I feel like Tony Khan, whenever Jeff first came back and his first match was a cinematic match and that was very much by design because I, I, I had Tony suggested that idea of him being in the firm deletion. We were going to initially bring Jeff back the week after once the firm deletion ended, but he said, what if we just put Jeff? He said, in that way it, it'll be an easy match for him to kind of dip his toes back in the water, but it's, it's great. I mean, it adds a ton of star power, whatever I said, I'm down for it. And Jeff was really happy about that. And then I feel like Tony was trying to use us sparingly just to make sure Jeff was okay, which I'm cool with. And I think that's very respectful. And I just, I feel not, I feel like now Tony is comfortable with Jeff and sees how strong he is and how, good he is and how he should jeff's looked great yeah i mean that's why you know we've been working i mean we've been on tv you know eight weeks straight or whatever's been between rampage and dynamite but when you're talking about edge i think some people minimize this or don't necessarily think about it in this context there have been a lot of big names who have jumped from WWE to AEW, Mark Henry, Paul White, yourself, Christian. Sting in a way, but Sting wasn't actively in WWE in recent times, so I I don't really count him in that fold. He's a WCW guy. And he's a WCW guy, right. If Edge hypothetically jumped here, that is one of the biggest stars ever jumping. Uh, yeah, we're talking, we're talking about a guy, and I see this all the time, Matt. Uh, uh, you'd be blown away by this, but the students that I work with at the Monster Factory, I'd say 40% of them, their all-time favorite wrestler's edge. Like He uh-huh. had that type of impact on this generation of performers. Him making a jump would be a big deal. What do you think it would provide equity-wise for the company? I mean, it would be huge. 
it's it's almost he's like such a big star as a singles competitor it's almost strange to put him back with christian in some ways you know because he's such a big deal as a singles guy but christian also is killing it as a singles guy those guys can you know both do things but there's also still a lot of equity to see you know christian matches too there's quite a run you could do there but i think they have edge who is one of the is a WWE lifer which most people figured and assumed and a guy who was a multiple time world heavyweight champion a guy who accomplished all these first uh had a stellar career done all these amazing things, did this incredible comeback, uh, it would be a huge deal to AEW. And like you said, too, it is good for the healthiness of pro wrestling because you have a major star leaving WWE and choosing AEW instead. And it's a statement that fans go, oh, wow, maybe this AEW is really legit because Edge chose AEW when he was just at WWE. I mean, th those things help, help AEW. And if that doesn't happen on the flip side, say he stays – there are still a lot of matches for him to do there in some capacity should he choose to. And his legacy would not be tarnished by staying there and retiring there for good. What kind His of legacy isn't going to be tarnished no matter what he does. That's what I was just going to ask yeah. you. It doesn't really, as far as I see it, affect his legacy in any tangible way. He has blazed his trail. Do you think it would add on to it maybe it could it absolutely could i, I but and on the other on the other side of the spectrum too it's like what more does he have to prove because he certainly doesn't have anything more to prove to people so why do you think that it might be possible you could see him entertain something like that should an offer present itself what does he you know him better than most people do. What what about him and his internal drive would lead him to making a decision like that potentially? Because much like me, he loves professional wrestling. It was his dream as a child, and he's very passionate about it. And if he can do it and he feel, feels like he can do it on a very high level, I think he still wants to do it. I guarantee you, because I know on my end, it's very cool for my kids to get to see me on TV perform. I'm sure it's cool for his girls to get to see him as well. You know, and it's uh, it's one of those things, man. I stay in, in pretty regular contact with Adam, and we talk often. And, you know, he's doing great. Uh, he's enjoying what he's doing, and he's just so grateful he's been able to get this this second run. You know, he, he got a reprieve. You know, he thought he was done, but he got another opportunity to go out there and make the most out of his passion one more time. So, you know, God bless him, man. I'm so happy he got that opportunity. Do you have any indication as to what his line of thinking is here? Uh, I do not. I, I don't. But I I, uh, I think he's a very open-minded guy. And once again, I mean, AEW has sold over 80,000 tickets to an event at Wembley. So, yeah, it could be on the table that he comes to AEW. Yeah, and I also think it's equally as possible that he stays in WWE. But let me ask you this. Do you think we've seen his last match? I, I don't. I don't think we've seen his last match. I don't. I tend to agree with you. Yeah. I don't think we've seen his last match either. So then let's let's play the game of hypotheticals here before we wrap up. Hypothetically speaking, Adam Copeland, since he can't use Edge anymore, comes on over to AEW. Oh my god, what's Hedge doing in Daly's place? <laughs> what's Copeland Adams doing here? That that would be his TNA name. That Mike Tene would be screaming. What's Sexton Hardcastle doing in Daly's place? That's, that's that's what it really needs to be. But hypothetically speaking, he comes over. What matches would you like to see him tackle? Uh, I mean, I, I would like to, at some point, run it back, Edge and Christian versus the Hardys. Uh, I would love to see Edge and Christian versus the Bucks. Um, I would love to see Edge versus Kenny Omega. I'd love to see Edge versus an MJF. Um, Got to think they'd want to work with the FTR guys. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, they, they were super tight. They yep, were tight, and they were a big part of his training yep. too and coming yep. back. One hundred percent. You know, I would like to see Edge work with some some guys too, like uh, 
you know, like uh, a Wardlow or like a Powerhouse Hobbs. You know, I would like to see them do like programs and elevate elevate the guys he's working against too. I would I would like to see some of that happen as well. Maybe, maybe we get an Adam Copeland versus Christian match, and then afterwards he shows him the error of his ways, and after fighting the temptations, they strike a five second pose, and all of a sudden, <laughs> Team A and C is back baby there you have it and so. could be good hell we could get a tlc match of sorts with the young bucks replacing the dudleys yeah and uh, i'm here for that six way there maybe yeah bully ray comes in and tony khan makes a call to spike dudley since devon can't bump around and all of a sudden we've got a quasi og five and a half there <laughs> doing a little uh little things up by the way i posted the picture from our podcast account the photo that surfaced randomly this week i don't know who it was so if you tell me who posted it, i'll source you but the picture that i shared of wrestlemania x7 before the show from the astrodome and it just right. showcased how grandiose it was and you could see the tables and the ladders in the corner how amazing was that picture uh, it was. It was phenomenal. Grandi grandiose is the perfect word to describe. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing, man. Just taking a time travel back there. I don't know, man. Adam Copeland showing up. You know, According to this, his contract's not up till the end of September, so I don't know if you'd expect to see him in AEW for All In or All Out, but if he were to make the jump, it could be a big, big deal there. Matt Hardy, and I know for you and Jeff, that could open up some possibilities there. Oh my God, what's Ed G G E doing at Daly's place? <laughs> <laughs> let's not belittle our friend Excalibur too much there, and uh, let's give him something to actually fight his oh, teeth. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the old impact line, of course. Yes, the Mike, were, were you a Mike Tanay guy? I like Mike Tanay. I mean, I wasn't super close with him, but I, I like Mike Tanay. I got along good with him. Dude's a historian. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's um, amazing at what he does. Yeah. There's everything about pro wrestling. And just, he was the Excalibur before Excalibur. That double on, double underhook arm DDT pedigree style maneuver. That's what I was doing. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, what's Voodoo Kent Mafia doing in the impact zone? Is that what they were? Voodoo Kent Mafia. Voodoo Kent Mafia. VKM. Yes. Hey, how about Daddy Ass? Daddy Ass. Making his return, and he's going to be, he said, Daddy Ass isn't allowed for all in, but badass Billy Gunn is. I thought that was pretty cool. Personally, I'm more of a fan of the one Billy Gunn. Okay. But the one. The one. The one one Billy Gunn and Ed, Ed, Ed G. They actually had a, uh, they had a, a battle for King of the Ring. I think back in the day. They certainly did. They certainly did. Back when Jim Ross would remind you every single match that there wasn't a more talented athlete in the World Wrestling Federation than Billy Gunn. That's right. That was he would always hit that. You're right. Every single Billy Gunn match. Greatest natural athlete in all the WWE. Greatest naturally talented athlete. Before that became Shelton Benjamin. Uh, and then it was Sean Benjamin who then had that moniker. Yeah. Uh, but hey, I want to plug this real quick before we wrap. Jim Ross is going to have a live show 50 years under the black hat at StarCast. I know you're going to be signing at StarCast. Is that correct? I am, yes. Myself and Brother Nero, we are there Saturday only. We'll be there on Saturday. Okay. So see the Hardys. We can't wait to see you. Yes, absolutely. Good stuff here, Matt. Anything else you want to add on this weird week of wrestling? Uh, No. I mean, it's once again, rest in peace, Terry Funk. Uh, legit one of the ghosts. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And I just want to say to all the people in Duluth tonight, where we technically were, right outside of Atlanta, I uh, just appreciate the love, man. You know, the show the show was a little heavy. A uh, lot of content that was going on tonight, so we didn't have all the time that we had desired, that we hoped we were going to have initially. And uh, we came out, and our entrance was so great. I wish... I don't. Do you watch on Fight, John? Where do you watch? No, I, I watch it on 
TBS. Yeah, uh, because uh, the 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 whole stream on fight, like when we came out yeah. and we were in the ring during the commercial break, because we came out and we had like a short entrance. But just the reaction once we got we got in the ring and we were clapping and the music, the whole building was standing up and clapping and they saw Sir Chen Hardy like just so great. And we're just we're so appreciative that after 31 years of doing this horse shit that people still react to us like that. And, and we thank you all very much. Dude, the bass dropped and people came unglued. They were they were ready for some Hardy Boys stuff tonight. And I thought that was great. I, I, I love that you're getting main event opportunities. The matches lately have been good. They're smart matches. You didn't even need any false finishes tonight, Matt Hardy. That's the way that I look at it. It was it was a lot of fun, and I'm glad you got to work with Aussie Open because I think those two guys are the future of tag team wrestling, and they're gonna tear it up with Adam Cole and MJF, and all in, man. So, some sometimes when uh, you're doing live TV, your false finishes are false finishes. <laughs> That's very true. It's very true. Oh man, listen. This ain't false. This is actually Matt Fact and not Matt Fiction. I want you on board with us here at the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. It's very important to Matt and I that you help support our team and we will help support you. Head on over to AdvertiseWithHardy.com. Promote your business to the extreme. Get it out in front of thousands of listeners and viewers every single week. And remember, head on over to BoxyGimmicks.com. We got great items like this, this fantastic Matt Fact, Matt Fiction, baseball tee. The fall season's coming around. You're going to get those long sleeves out again. I think this would be a great addition to your set. Boxagimmicks.com. Search the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy store. Oh, boy, Matt. Another week is in the bag here at the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Where can people hypothetically leave their reviews for the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy? I would love for you to leave your reviews wherever we offer the podcast. You could leave a review on YouTube, which is Matt Hardy brand. You could leave a review on Apple. You could leave a review uh, on Spotify. Wherever you go, leave a review. But even more important than the review, we would love to get that five, cinco, five, cinco, five-star rating. If you love our podcast, let us know you love it because that helps us. And we really want to continue to grow this brand. The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. It is a passion of love and pride. Yeah. And John and I are very, very proud of it. And everything he said earlier, we want you to be on board with us. Yeah, we got we to gotta get a contest going. It's been a while since we've done a contest. Uh, your boy, Adam, the man from MJF's band who came up to you on Long Island and said he was a big fan. He got his T-shirt from us finally. So he's got that. He sent me a picture wearing it the other day. So we got to make sure that we get another contest going here at the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. We'll... We'll brainstorm on that and do something special for you all there. The words have been spoken. We'll see you next week right here on The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Delete!